Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm joined today by Michelle Chang, who is the program director at Catalyze. They have a new Catalyze challenge that is coming out. We're going to talk about grant writing, innovating, and making an impact on career-connected learning. We'll do all that in a bit. Before we do any of that, Michelle, welcome to Trending in Education. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here today. It's great to have you, and we'll get into what Catalyze is all about in a bit. Before we do that, we always like to start by getting to know guests a little bit better. Can you catch us up on your origin story, how you got to this point in your professional life? Of course. So I would say for the past over 10 years, without aging myself, I've really been at the intersection of force development and education and thinking about how does equity support access? primarily for those that have been historically marginalized out of education. And that has really been my goal and my role within nonprofit as the director, leading youth centers, really on the ground, working with young people as a dean at an LA Community College School District, looking at women's partnerships with K-12 schools, really looking at pathway development that kept students at the center. And then as the nonprofit executive, thinking about how do we fundraise and ensure that there's dollars that align to these goals. With all that experience, when I when I thought about Catalyze and joining Catalyze, it was a perfect fit. I joined two months ago. So it was a perfect fit in the sense of how can we really increase impact for young people all over the nation? Yeah. And Catalyze is focused on the career-connected learning for ages 11 to 22. And I'd love to hear you maybe extend the story to what Catalyze is about and, you know, what your role is with them. Well, Catalyze flourished in 2021. We really have a focus on, as you mentioned, career-connected learning and really seeking innovations within this space. You know, different states have a bit more advanced career-connected learning, whether it's in systems or out of schools, but really thinking about how do we create innovations and solutions to help young people 11 to 22, so middle school, high school, you know, post-high school, in thinking about what does career pathways look for them. So through Catalyze, we have three major buckets. We give out grants to those on the ground doing the work so they can think about the solutions that make sense, think about the gaps in services for young people, and they can explore solutions, ideas, projects, services. And then from there, we also want to learn. We want to learn from our grantees. We want to learn from the field. We want to ensure that all of our learnings are coming together and creating impact in the work that we're doing. The last bucket will be really thinking about storytelling and the way we think about alternative and diverse pathways to economic mobility, family sustaining wages. We want to think about how it is that multiple pathways can lead to that, yeah. not just a four-year college degree. Right. And the four-year college degree, when you graduate from high school at 18 and you're done by 22, like there's a narrative out there, which is no longer the majority of students. You know, the majority of students are more like the community college students you were working with when you were in the role of dean there. It is interesting to kind of reframe the scope of what you're talking about to a broader range when you're talking about ages 11 to 22. Because I have heard it talked about a lot more around that, you know, maybe 18 to 25, you know, coming right out of high school as where this effort starts. But frequently when you talk to those folks, they say that's too late. Can you talk a little bit about how moving upstream 
kind of changes the dynamics because I, I feel like the age of 11 to 22 seemed like a really interesting age range. And I'd love to hear more about how you think about that range. I think it was that I love the word you're saying with reframing, Mike, in terms of how do we reframe education at a K-12 level, right? When many times we think about careers, exploration, awareness, discussion happening until you graduate high school sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it is late in the sense of you have not selected your major, your degree, your pathway. So when we're thinking about changing these conversations happening earlier, it's really around not pigeonholing our students and saying, that's a career you chose. So now you're going to follow that for the next six years in K-12, right? Yeah. But thinking about it is that you're exploring multiple careers, thinking about your personal interests, right? Because, you know, a job is a job that you have for a very long time, right? So it's about how does it fulfill you? But how does it also align to your interests, your passions, and what you want to do with your career, right? So mm-hmm. those conversations happening earlier really opens up students' eyes and thinking about about the world of work and their place in it, yeah. especially about our students of color, where you know maybe they don't see other folks like themselves in those careers. So really showing them that there is that possibility, that there's access, that there's really a, a prioritizing of equity within these pathways, it really inspires and motivates young people to think about what they want to do earlier in their K-12 journey. Yeah, absolutely. The word I keep coming back to is relevance, where, you know, why am I studying this? And if you can't answer that as an educator, you're going to lose students. And then I feel like the career connectedness does give you at least one answer to why we're learning some of this stuff. And even in the event that the job you're going to have in the future is going to be different, you're at least making a connection to a pathway. And frequently that opens up your thinking in new ways. So. Who are your uh, grantees? Sounds like you've issued about, do you issue a grant? What do you do? You bestow a grant? What do you, what do you poops? So we distributed $10 million. Tribute. From round one and two. So we're currently in round three. So $10 million for over 40 organizations serving over 23,000 learners. Mm -hmm. All of these organizations representing multiple states across the U.S. have different solutions or approaches to the work. For example, we just had a webinar recently where we hosted a webinar with two of our exemplar grantees, and they both focus on tech pathways mm. and diversifying tech pathways for young people in multiple ages, some with high school diplomas, some without. So really mm. thinking the entire scope of who our learners are, yeah. very diverse. Um, what I love about these two organizations is that although they have the same pathway, they have a very different approach to the work. So HopeWorks, who is located in Camden, New Jersey, and Philly, they really have a deep partnership with employers. So with their work, with their solution that we invested in, they were able to identify participants or learners, do training with them on tech. So thinking around web design, GIS, data systems, that's what they focus on. Mm -hmm. And then what's really cool about their work is that they also provide paid internships with the employer partners that they have. Right. So they have internships. They also have a lot of, you know, workforce development, readiness skills, thinking beyond technical, but dress for success. How do you communicate with folks, right? Right, um, right. And pieces that, that are very important to career success. And then after they have internships and their place and actually employment opportunities that are aligned to their needs and interests and training as well. Yeah. And then, then Half the Hood is a nonprofit in Oakland, California really close to Silicon Valley, a very important 
location as it relates to technology in, in the U.S. and in California. So their focus is really thinking of how do we diversify to increase the number of Black and Brown students in tech jobs. Mm-hmm. Their focus more around training and fundamentals development on, on Python, you know, software and, and website development. But then they also partner with Laney Community College because they know that they're preparing students with exploration, identifying their commitment before they just take any class, right, at a community college. Right. And then from there, then, you know, the warm handoff to the community college so they can continue their education there. And that's where it's different partners with a different approach to a pathway. And they're both very strong in the way they connect with the students. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the broader perspective that you're bringing? In some ways, it's a, a narrow focus, but the idea that you're pretty open to wherever, whatever direction the innovation might come from in terms of addressing these outcomes within this space, even if you talk about Hack the Hood and HopeWorks, you know, they're really attacking the problem from really different perspectives. What's the benefit of Catalyze being able to sort of see across the full range of what's going on? At Catalyst, we understand that it's not a one-size approach to or solution, knowing that we have diverse populations, we have different, you know, ecosystems within regions, you know, that means employers, K-12 partners, higher ed partners, right? So we really want to encourage and motivate our applicants to think about what makes sense for their region and their area, and knowing that any solution that can have impact is what we want to see. We want to see that. And also even weeding out what doesn't work is also important. And modifying what maybe has worked but has more potential is just as important as well. So through Catalyze, we know that we want to diversify solutions and opportunities for our young people. So what we want to see as Catalyze is once we have all these grantees implementing their program design, we want to bubble up all of that learning And that's what we want to share. So with our Catalyze grantees, we have a learning community where they meet every quarter. We also have a connection where we connect them with our funders, for example, in the community as well and employers. So we really want it to be a full-on holistic approach to career-connected learning. But we also understand at the ground, not every organization can do every single element of career-connected learning. So we are okay with piecemealing that continuum to ensure that we see solutions throughout a student journey. Yeah, makes sense. The other notion that's out there, and I'm sure you've seen this really across the full range of of what you're looking at, is the importance of mentorship and social capital. You know, Raj Chetty's research into just making those connections where many times outside of a formal curriculum, it's more growing your informal network and figuring out, you know, who's out there who sees your own potential just as much as you see them representing you in some way. Can you talk about the social capital and the mentorship networking side of the equation? Of course. So we understand that the technical skill is important and crucial to career success, but just as important, and even sometimes, as you mentioned, more important is really that the durable skills that students gain as they're problem solving, thinking critically, being leaders. It's something that we love within our program designs that we have, like Hack the Hood and HopeWorks. They also have trauma-informed care curriculum. They're really thinking about tech for justice is a curriculum that Hack the Hood has, where they're thinking of solutions within their own community and how that applies to technology, right? So within that, they're building those mentorships because we're bringing in employers 
but bringing in other adults that they can interact with now and in the future that opens up doors, right? It's about, I don't want to use the line, it's, it's not what you know, but who you know. But sometimes that is relevant, right? It's the folks that will open the doors for our young people. Building that social capital is crucial to our work. Our funders really see the value of social capital for our young people. And that is why they, we're looking at mentorship programs, earn to learn programs, to connect them to folks that are in the field already, yeah. to open up those doors for our young people. Yeah. 11 to 22, it's an age range where you're developing your professional identity in some ways. You know, it's almost counteracting the imposter syndrome, feeling like I actually belong in any room. I belong in boardrooms and, you know, looking for, you know, funding or working at a big company, big tech company, which I imagine there are many different pathways out there. All right, Michelle, I'm sold. I bet many folks out there are as well. We know what Catalyze is doing. There's now this new round, which is Catalyze Challenge. I'm genuinely curious, you know, who are you seeking out in terms of the folks who might be asking for help with some ideas they might have? And then also, what's the process like? How do people, if they're interested, if they have an idea, how do they get involved? Yes. So our Catalyze Challenge round three launched July 31st. It closes September 22nd. So there is still time for those that are interested in learning more about us and, and applying. You can check us on our website, catalyzechallenge.org. Once again, catalyzechallenge.org. But for our round three challenge, we've learned from round one and two, where are some of those gaps in services and areas of focus that some of our grantees have mentioned? Mm. So we have two themes. One of the themes is career exploration and for young adolescents, we're thinking about Solutions that have tools and resources to increase student agency, mm. self-efficacy, learn more about their own identity and linking that to career exploration. And the second theme is activating employer partnerships. In rounds one and two, 95% of our grantees said that they had employer engagements, but at different levels from very light touch to maybe a workshop to very high touch, someone that came and supported with curriculum development, for example, right? So mm -hmm. really want to think about employer engagement as a key in our work. At the end of the day, we want to have a workforce that is skilled and trained for the workforce partners, right? For employers. So we really want to see solutions that have those robust partnerships or are developing and cultivating those partnerships with employers. Yeah. Makes sense. We've made it this far without talking about AI, but there you go. I did it. You know, it does feel like we're in a very disruptive time to be thinking about the future of work. You know, folks aren't really sure what jobs are going to be like and what skills are going to be most in demand. I know that's something that you've been grappling with, sounds like really throughout your career, but the rate at which stuff's changing and the level to which people are nervous is probably higher than maybe it's been before. How are you thinking about that? How are you thinking about that when you look at new proposals? You know, are you looking for a little sprinkling of AI magic on top of what folks are submitting? We are looking for solutions that disrupt the status quo, mm -hmm. Mike. So if AI is sprinkles, we would love to see some of that as well. But we really want to see things that are thinking about the future, solutions that are are really thinking about how can we change things are modified, whether it's in-system, meaning in the school setting or after school or direct to learners, we really want folks to really think about what is different that can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And maybe not so much different, but what can have impact 
directly to the learner to make differences, right? Historically in education, making changes, evolving can be difficult. But as we're thinking about technology, we're thinking about AI, is how is it that that could be incorporated and not only on the technical side, but also on the way we think about solutions or implementing things that make sense for teachers, right? In the classroom, right. that can make time for them to think about other things. It's all that, right? I, I could say, Mike, we're both at a time when the internet came and smartphones came in. Right. And what do we do with all this? How do we interact? How do we change that? Or how do we embed that in the way we think about learning? Right. right? And where it used to be, hey, have your phones put away. And now it's more like, hey, scan this QR code. You know, it's like, how do you connect with folks using technology or using other disruptors to ensure that it's not distracting from education, right? But really making sense of how it can really be used to make things easier, more effective for both the learner and the educator. Yeah, and hopefully it's an accelerant and hopefully it's something that can augment the humans and also be connected to them. You mentioned durable skills before, and you also have been mentioning teachers. I'd be curious who, you know, 40 plus grantees, that's a pretty wide range of folks you're engaging with. Any examples of the type of people who are submitting to Catalyze? For rounds one and two, about 60% of them were nonprofits. We also had a K-12 schools, both charter and non-charter as well, even businesses. So we really are open, Mike. We want solutions from anybody who has something to say that can really make a difference and an impact. So if folks apply and if for some reason they're not eligible, we can, you know, still connect with them and think about what makes sense or why it doesn't make sense. What I love about Catalyze and our work is that our funders are very open-minded. They really want innovation both in the solutions, but even in the way we're funding. Yeah. What's interesting about Catalyze is we have a pooled funding. So as you may or may not know, funders, especially philanthropic partners, they have their own portfolios, their own priorities. So now they've all given to a pod saying that career connected learning is important. And although I might prioritize a specific section of it, I will give to the pod, to the pool, mm -hmm. because I know that it cannot be siloed. Right. Um, so that's what's amazing about Catalyze is that we have funders that have kind of given up a little bit of that control and said, yes, Catalyze, go find the solutions that make sense. Go find innovation and seek, you know, those folks that want to do great work on the ground. And yeah. we'll fund. That's not very common. Even them saying, let's take risk. That's not very common. Right. Right. And it's not about the quantity of folks that we serve, of learners, but the quality of the idea that's really important. And that's not something you see very often. Right. And it does remind me of the skills that are needed to get selected, to actually qualify and get, get some funding it does require some new skills that maybe they can be AI augmented in some ways. But at the end of the day, a human's got to have an idea and has to represent that they want some funding. Can you describe a little bit of the types of skills and the type of work that's needed to submit something for funding? So our applications really are not as robust as a federal grant of 100 pages, right? We really are asking questions around what is your solution, thinking about who are the folks that you're serving. We really want to prioritize historically underserved groups. As part of our application process, we ask more about your organization and their role in career-connected learning and how it is that they can really have an impact or implement solutions, right? Because 
if you don't have that, then it's hard to test out your solutions. Right. And as folks are writing the application, we're not really thinking of a dissertation, right? We're thinking about the idea and really showing the examples and identifying what are the areas that you are going to test out. We really want folks to be very clear in articulating what is the problem that they're trying to solve. We don't want everything under the kitchen sink. We really want to think about what's that one problem you want to tackle in curriculum connected learning and what is your solution for that problem. To clarify, my round three is funding exploratory work for six to 12 months. And then we will have a round four next year and it will be more dollars and looking more at implementation. Hmm. So for round three, we want to fund up to 25 grantees looking at 50K to $250,000. For around four, we are looking at 100K to half a mil. So that's where we know that it's going to be a little bit more robust. Mm -hmm. And that's great really to get a window into that perspective too, where like these phases are thought out and mapped to some strategic vision around getting return on your investment and finding the solutions that work, but also understanding that things iterate And what you learn in a discovery phase is probably going to refine what your submission might be before you decide it's ready to scale. I'd love to get a little more advice from you, maybe for folks out there. You know, you've charted an interesting career to get to where you are today, the space around investing, nonprofits, philanthropy. But can you describe a little bit what got you to this place or any advice you might have for folks who are thinking about charting a career in education? The one thing I would say that has been really important in my career is always being student-centered and thinking about what is best for the student. And that is kind of the way I've designed programming, the way I collaborate with folks is having students at the center. That's the first thing. And the second thing I would say is we need to think of students holistically, right? And it's difficult to separate a student well-being with how they're learning inside the classroom, what's happening at their home. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about the student holistically and designing programming or partnerships to address those gaps that our students are facing and mm-hmm. those barriers to really make things more streamlined and easier for students. I think that there's elements that are there that are successful in great education and workforce, but it's how do we bring it together to have a synergy with the student at the center? And never forget that. I think that's where there's frustrations that happen with the bureaucracies, with the politics. But if you always think about the student first, you can remove some of those barriers and frustrations. Yeah, makes sense. And then as someone who's spanned this range of, I keep coming back to ages 11 to 22, but then also you focused on the community college end of it, which ultimately leads into conversations about higher ed and really your ongoing career on the other side. Any perspective on what you see on the horizon? It does seem like you're looking for disruption and, you know, recognizing that there's some elements to the status quo and the way in which we've done this for a long time isn't really working. Looking ahead, any perspective, any predictions or visions you might have around what you see on the horizon? I would say one of the big things that I see is around employers and what they think as valuable in skill and informal education. Hmm. We already have some states thinking about removing the four-year degree and, you know, some of the government jobs, right? I will say that the way the systems are in place, four-year college degrees have been important and relevant, especially for those communities that have been historically and intentionally marginalized, right? Hmm. Because that is what gave us that credibility. 
But in the way we're thinking about the skills and the gap in talent, the gap in skills, I see that, you know, employers are thinking about that differently, that our higher ed partners are thinking about how do they match that to still be relevant, as you said, to still be competitive. In a place after the pandemic, folks were thinking, why do I need education, right? You can learn a lot of things on YouTube, for example, right? But Mm. it's about that connection and finding that middle ground of employer needs and K-12 and higher ed. So it's all of those players coming together to really reimagine what education looks like for these traits and for these skills and for these jobs. We know that, you know, in 2022, there was more than 11 million jobs openings and only 6 million unemployed workers. Mm. By 2030, we predict over 85 million jobs worldwide could go unfilled. So what does that mean? The way we think about training, in the way we streamline pathways and make things more efficient, effective for young people and for any learner thinking about a career that they want that's relevant, that will get them those family sustaining wages, economic mobility, economic growth, right? So reimagining all of that is crucial. And we cannot avoid it. We cannot ignore it. It needs to be prioritized to remain relevant and to do what's best for our students. Fantastic stuff. I'm talking with Michelle Chang from Catalyze. The Catalyze Challenge is available at catalyzechallenge.org. Act now. Uh, That deadline is coming up. So this is a September deadline. So if you have ideas, get them in there. Michelle, we're approaching our conclusion here. I always like to give guests a chance for closing thoughts. Any takeaways for folks who've listened to us so far as they head back to the rest of their lives? I would say many times we don't think about applying for grants like this, right? That is not something that's just given in our budget within K-12 or higher ed. So we think about how these grants and support systems are there in place for folks to really think about other ideas that they want to bring to the classroom, outside the classroom. So take advantage of this. We also provide support for those that become our grantees. We have a learning community of not just other folks on the ground but also experts, subject matter experts in the field, you know, even ideas of how to bring in more dollars because we know you need resources to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And our funders and our partners really want to support that in helping, you know, folks even apply for grants. Or we even had some grantees applying for grants together through Catalyze after they met each other. Yeah. So we really want to create a community that's beyond, you know, let's meet every three months, but a community that can really provide ideas provide that space for folks to really talk about and discuss some of the ideas that they have and some of the challenges that they're facing. Yeah, that's great. I've heard the term community of practice, you know, folks who are actually doing the work, not just a community of interest. You talk to me about practice. That's a shout out for our Philadelphia fans out there. But uh, Michelle, really amazing work. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Mike. It was great meeting you catalyzechallenge.org. Check it out. This is Trending in Education. Please subscribe, write a review, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. Thank you for listening.